Um, hey, this morning we have an important topic that I am excited to share with you. I'm actually very burdened to share with you this morning. But I want to start off with something a little fun and lighthearted. Take a look at this on the screens. I have never ever been in a ball pit before. What? Never been in the ball pit? No, never. You gotta go. No, I've seen him, but I've never been in one. You know, I remember these ball pits, like his threw up in them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. All right, so let's see. Okay, this is a good one. Share three things on your bucket list. Um. The first one is to go skydiving. I want to go skydiving. Have you ever had those dreams where you're just like floating and, you know, you're flying and everything? Scuba diving is just exactly that. Don't you get afraid of drowning or being underwater or yeah. getting attacked by an octopus or <laughs> any of those things? I want to learn curling. What is it? Like that winter Olympic sport. Oh, all right, where you slide the... Yeah, and then it's like bowling and sweeping. Find one thing you have in common. Do you, do you play sports? Not currently. I, I play soccer, so... Soccer? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Actually, I play the drums. Do you play any instruments? Um, I quit everything I ever tried. All right. Um, actually, fun fact, these aren't real teeth. I... <laughs> yeah. I have a flipper tooth. Really? Ah! Oh, my God! No, no, no! I can't wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. What? My front Oh, my gosh. <laughs> ah! You don't even understand. I swear to God, I feel like someone planted us here for this reason. Destiny. Describe the first time you fell in love. Oh, I think it was kindergarten. I don't remember his name, but he was beautiful. I was in the Navy. You were in the Navy? And my husband was in the Navy. Long story short, before he ever kissed me or we were ever really together, he told me he loved me. 24 years later, we're more in love and we're more, we're better friends than even from the very beginning. That's true love in its finest. Yeah. <laughs> talk about someone who inspires you. Is it all right to talk about somebody that's uh, a religious character? Yeah, why not? Uh -huh. This is our ball pit. We can talk about whoever we want, right? Uh, Jesus. All right. Just my peers. They're all creative in their own ways and have their own realities and own lessons. I just grow from everybody else's as well as my own. Martin Luther King, I think, because the fact that we're sitting in this box together I, yes. is a big deal, you know? Exactly. You know who inspires me, believe it or not, is my daughter. She is Aww. everything I ever wanted to be. All right. Talk about the experience that changed your life. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. After my wife decided that it was time that we split, I started to have a different perspective on life. I saw women differently, I saw relationships differently. I think I became more appreciative of women. How old did you say you are? 20? Yeah. Okay. At the age of 21, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And it pulled the rug out from all my plans. It really changes the way you look at things. Mm -hmm. My grandmother has it. Who does? My grandmother. There's our comments. We found the comments. We found the comments. That's why I was still here. We 
found the common. Oh, create a secret handshake. Ooh. Okay. Okay, but nothing was spit. <laughs> okay, so that. Oh, but he both hands. Okay. So this. And then whoever gets on the top makes a flag. Oh, now I forgot what it is. <laughs> and then, like, maybe a little twitch in the middle. <laughs> One, two, one, two. I did. All right, we did it. That was awesome. I actually had a lot of fun. I was a little bit nervous, because um, normally you don't hang out with strangers in ball pits. I got to learn some pretty cool things about you. It was really nice to meet you. Right, you too. I hope I see I'll you again. Okay, I love it. I'm really impressed by you. I was worried that I would uh, start talking to you like a mom. I don't know if I did. No. Nah, you yeah. didn't. Trust me, you did good. <laughs> when was the last time you made a new friend? You met someone new, you took the, the next step to hang out with them, spend a little time with them, and as you were hanging out, it led to some deeper conversations and those conversations eventually led to a, like a real friendship, a life-giving friendship. When was the last time you made a brand new friend? Listen, this morning I'm, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed because I am feeling a, a huge burden for this right now. Um, loneliness in our world is at epidemic levels. And friendship can be a major problem for people today. Um, but the truth is, if you get your friendships right, it can set you up for success. But if you get your friendships wrong, it can set you up for more pain and destruction than you can possibly imagine. Um, listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 13. If you've got notes, I'd love for you to follow along with me this morning. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, walk with the wise and become what? You walk with the wise, you become wise. Associate with who? Fools. And what happens? You get in trouble, right? And you probably heard this phrase before somewhere, but I really believe it's true. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me the people that you spend the most time with, right? And I'll show you the direction of your life. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Associate with fools and you will get in trouble. I promise you that is what will happen. I have been there for that. Um, it's true, if you hang out with people who are better than you, if you hang out with people who are wiser than you, uh, smarter than you, people that have a stronger marriage than your marriage, people who manage money better than you manage money, and they have stronger relationships with their family, you are going to start to see that and learn from them, and eventually you will rise up to their level. But if you hang out with idiots, anybody know one that I'm talking about here, right? If you hang out with idiots, if you hang out with jerks, if you hang out with racists, if you hang out with people who tear other people down verbally, if you hang out with people who cheat on their spouses, if you spend time with people who drink too much, uh, if they have deep moral problems, they will suck you into their world and they will drag you down to their level. Proverbs 22 says it again in a different way. It says, don't befriend who? Angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to what? You're going to learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Um, have you ever started spending time with someone who swears a lot and then suddenly swear words start popping out of your mouth? Anybody ever had that happen? Last night we were driving in the car and my wife looked at me and she said, I love it when you swear 
because it feels like after 30 years of marriage, I'm finally making an impact on you. I said, Nicole, I don't think poo-poo head counts. I didn't say poo-poo head. Jesus has forgiven me, though. Um, but, it, but it's true. You, you, that sort of rolls into you with the people that are around you. And much of the success that I've had in life has come from the people that God has put in my life that I have chosen to keep in my life. And he uses these right friends and these right people to influence me. Right? The right people influencing you in the right direction. And almost every time I have gotten in trouble, real trouble, it's because of the influence of somebody else. Anybody here ever get in really big trouble all by yourself? Not really, right? Most of us are like, oh man, why was I hanging out with that guy? Oh, we got one over there, good. Everybody be careful over there, okay. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, is those people are the ones that can influence you. So this morning we're going to talk about friendships. And we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit um, hopefully leaks out of you and onto and into those friends that you have in your life. The Holy Spirit alive in you and alive in your friends hopefully leaks out on you, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon us when you become a believer. And he produces fruit, right? We've seen this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful, uh, faithfulness, and self-control. And those character traits, when the Holy Spirit is living in you, begins to leak out. And that fruit overflows in you and into the people around you, right? And, and we saw in first week, Glenn was talking about how patience needs to leak out into your family Uh, Last week he was talking about how our workplace, we need to be people of love in our workplace. And this morning we are going to talk about your friendships and how the Holy Spirit can use you in those friendships. So I have a quick exercise for you this morning. In your notes right in front of you, I want you to list your closest friends. Go ahead and list your closest friends. This is not rhetorical, people. Go ahead and do it. Seriously, do it. Are you doing it? People, you should be writing right now. Okay, why aren't you writing right now? You should be writing some names down right now, okay? You got one, two, three, four, five, your closest friends in your life. These are the people you call at two o'clock in the morning. They really know you and you really know them, right? Now, here's the thing as you've been feeling that out, I want you to think about this. I was reading this uh, not too long ago. You are probably the average of your five closest friends. You are probably the average of your five closest friends. In almost every area of your life, you are probably somewhere in the middle of those five people. Financially, if you look back down at that list, you look at that list, you think, you don't make the most on that list, but you probably don't make the least either. You're somewhere in the middle there of that list. Morally, if you were drunk last night, probably two or three people on that list were drunk too. I know, nobody talks about it, but some people have a few too many on a Saturday night and they get up and they come to church. God bless you, we're glad we're here. But that's true, the people in your life, spiritually, if you are seeking after God, right, if you're pursuing God, you can look at that list and two or three of the names on that list are people that are actively pursuing God too. And they bring you along and you bring them along. It's really true what mom said, you are who you hang out with. You are who you spend time with. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So the question becomes, are your friendships with the right people? 
Do you want to become like those people you're with? Because if I really want to please God with my life, I may need to rethink some of the people that are on that list. Maybe more importantly, I may need to add some people onto that list, right? If you want a better marriage, you need to hang out with people that have strong marriages. If you want to be better financially, you need to hang out with some people that have their ducks in a row when it comes to spending and budgeting and investing. If you want to uh, have a stronger ministry, you need to be with some people that are ministry-minded, right? That's what you need to do. Spend time with those kind of people. And the question is this. Who is the Holy Spirit in you calling you to be friends with? Who is the Holy Spirit calling you to be friends with? You ever thought about it like that? Like maybe the Holy Spirit has somebody he wants you to be friends with? And every time you meet up with that person or you you catch them in the lobby or you run into them out in town, you can feel the Holy Spirit nudging you saying, you should be friends with that person. You should be better friends with that person. You should really invest in that relationship. You should ask them if they want to talk. You should ask them to go to coffee. You should ask them to go play some golf or, or something along those lines. The Holy Spirit up inside of you is trying to encourage some of those friendships. And often we ignore that And we go home and we binge watch Friends. Anybody else think that's weird? If you you think about all the sitcoms from the 90s and the 2000s, right? Basically every sitcom, Friends, uh, Seinfeld, How I Met Your Mother, uh, New Girl. It is all a bunch of shows about a bunch of friends who spend all their time together. And instead of doing that, what do we do? We go home and we watch it on TV. And, and, and people are devastated when Matthew Perry died. It was like they lost one of their friends. And the truth of the matter is, is instead of doing that, instead of watching them, we need to re-engage friendships. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the lost art of friendship. The lost art of friendship. And here's the first principle of the lost art of friendship. Ready? It's be present. Be present. We need to develop our friendships face-to-face, not thumbs-to-thumbs. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Younger generation? The texting, hey, texting is fine. It is good for sending information. It is good for all of that, but nothing develops friendship like being present in front of it. You have to physically be there in that relationship. Be present. Think about Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth, right, He didn't say, hey, I got this book. Go ahead and read it. We'll talk. Jesus, when he he came into his ministry years, right, he, he, he called these disciples and he said, hey, follow me. No, we're going this way. Come, come with me. And he said, give up this whole fishing gig you've got going. And I want you to spend every day with me, every minute with me. I, I sometimes read the gospels and I think to myself, but what about all the other days? Because every morning they got up and they made breakfast together. And Jesus was like, what do you want this morning? And they were like, I don't know, what do we got? And Jesus is like, nothing, we got oatmeal. And and they ate oatmeal together, right? And they spent the day together. And then midway through the day, maybe Jesus healed some people along the way. And it was getting to be about lunchtime. And Jesus is like, I know this great wing place out in Nazareth. We We should head to the wing place in Nazareth. And the disciples were like, right on, let's go, Jesus. And they go to the wing place. And Jesus got it spicier than them because he could handle it. You know what I'm talking about? 
But, but he would do that. And then the afternoon, he'd go and he'd teach. And they'd watch him teach thousands of people. And afterwards, he'd come down to them and he goes, man, I'm starving. You guys want to get some dinner? And they're like, yeah, we should get some barbecue. And they go and they got some barbecue. And after dinner, they went to the campfire. And after, they're surrounding the campfire. And as they're at the campfire, they're playing games around the campfire. They're playing charades at the campfire. And Jesus gets up and he's like, he's like, and they're like, TV show, TV show. And Jesus is like, right, two words, two words, right, okay. Second word, second word, what is it? Um, um, me, you, no, him, no, choose, no, ch- chosen, chosen, the chosen, the chosen. And Jesus was like, yeah, that's right, that's it. And then they went to Denny's and they got a late night snack. Does anybody else remember those days? You spent all day, every day, and they spent all day, every day with Jesus. I want you to think about the depth of the friendships that Jesus had with those guys. The depth of that relationship, right? Um, And so we have got to be present if we are going to develop those kind of relationships. And our technological world is killing us, people. It is killing us. You know, I read a study actually not too long ago that said this. Did you know parents, listen to this, this is going to mess with you. Parents, listen to this. Some studies are showing that kids are more dissatisfied with their parents' obsession with technology. They're more frustrated with your obsession to technology because they're saying, mom, 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 mom. And you're like, hold on, sweetie, hold on, sweetie. I need to post this to Pinterest. If you don't know what Pinterest is, Pinterest is where your wife spends six hours on a website one day and the next day you're eating salads out of a mason jar and nobody knows why. <laughs> you're just like, I don't know. It's like our kids can't even get our attention. Mom, 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 mom. Somebody just post on Facebook, I got to reply, I got to reply, I got to reply, I got to reply. We have to be present in these relationships if they want them to grow, right? And, and, and I don't know, if, this is the one that gets me the most. I don't know if you have ever been there. It happens at airports. Anybody traveling in the next few days? I'm going to be flying in the next two days. It happens at airports, but it happens at restaurants all the time. And I will look over at a table and there will be an entire table of people doing this. And they're not speaking. They're just looking down at their own phones. And my thought is, why are you even out? Like, why are you even eating together at a restaurant if you're going to do that? We have got to be present in our relationships, right? Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. It says it this way. Let us think of ways to what? Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our what? As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So many people use that don't neglect our meeting together to say, come to church. But let me tell you something, meeting together is more than just a church. That word meeting together in the original language, right, is only used twice in scripture. And it means to meet physically for a spiritual purpose. That doesn't just happen at church, folks. That can happen anywhere. It means being face-to-face. There is power in presence. One of the greatest ministry lessons that I learned right away in ministry was what they call the ministry of presence. And it means showing up. Listen, when tragedy strikes to someone that you love in your world, show up. Show up. There are so many times where we play this game in our head where we think, should I go? I don't know if I should go. Is it proper? I don't know. I don't know. When in doubt, show up. Show up. Absolutely. When people are suffering, you show up physically. 
You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to know exactly what to say. But you walk in the door and people know you care. Just show up. Show up. There is a difference between a text message with a folded hands emoji and showing up and grabbing someone's hands and actually physically praying with them right then and there. Show up. Be present. Um, There's a difference between someone who finds out about tragedy and says, I'm coming over right now. There is nothing more powerful than when tragedy strikes and somebody gets on an airplane and shows up the next day. Show up. Be present. Um, and, and you can't just be physically present. You have to be emotionally present. You ha- anybody have somebody who's there but not really there? You know what I'm talking about? They're just distracted all the time. You've got to be there. Let me give you one practical thing. And people, if you learn this, it will change the way that you have conversations. When you are meeting with somebody, would you take your phone and put it face down on the table or put it in your pocket? And please do not pay attention to your phone while you are with someone. Because if you will send that message, they will receive it loud and clear that that person sitting in front of you is way more important than anything happening out there. Be present in these relationships. Um, How different would your relationships be if they knew that they were the priority? Here's the funny thing about our, our, our friendships. Ready? We meet people by chance. We meet friends by chance, but we deepen friendships by choice. And largely that choice is to be present. My best friend growing up was the kid next door. When I was about seven years old, we moved to a new city. We moved from Sacramento to San Jose, and I moved into this little neighborhood that I would call home throughout the rest of my growing up years, and and the kid next door became my best friend. Do you know why the kid next door became my best friend? Because my parents bought a house. It was a real estate transaction that led to the kid next door being my best friend. That and the fact that I found out later his teenage sister paid him five bucks to come and say hi to me. (laughs) By the way, people, this was in the 1970s. Five bucks, kids, is like $1,000 now, okay? But, But he came over and we became friends by random, dumb luck, real estate, geography, and we were friends all the way through high school on swim teams together, and, and he was my best friend growing up, and it was all because of this dumb luck thing. But if you want to go deeper, if you want that relationship, that friendship to grow, you have got to make the effort. You've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the work. You have got to make the choice that you're going to go deeper with someone. Who do you spend your life showing up for? And who shows up for you again and again and again? You've got to make that choice. We don't meet, and and I do sometimes wrestle with this because of the Holy Spirit side. Is is it possible that maybe all of the friendships we make are not necessarily by chance? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit is actually alive in us and is leading us towards some people that God knows we need in our life? And will we just make the choice? Will we just make the effort to go into that relationship right? Um, Because some of you right now, even as I'm talking, you know you have friends in your life right now that are close friends that are dragging you down. They are dragging you away from God. 
and you're trying to rationalize this away, but right now, even now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and is convincing you, and you say, you've got some friends like this that are dragging you away from God, dragging you away from what is right, friends that are screaming, yeah, you should get a divorce, friends that are screaming, uh, you know, eh, it's, it's fine, we'll just go out and party a little bit. You, you have got some people like that in your life. You may also have the Holy Spirit calling you to someone, maybe somebody even around here at church that you're like, I know I should invest in that friendship. I know that it would make me better. I know that we could really live into this faith life together, right? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's the Holy Spirit talking to you today. And we live in this tension because I'm not trying to tell you to get away from the friends that are struggling in your life. Because the Holy Spirit may have you in that friendship for a very specific reason to draw them back, to be a positive influence, to speak truth to them. But some of you know you need to set some boundaries if you want to be healthy and following after God. So here's the question that you have to ask yourself. Am I leading this person closer to God or am I letting them lead me away from God? Are you leading them closer to God or are you letting them lead you away from God? And maybe more importantly, you need to deepen some friendships, right? You need to choose these God-honoring people in your life and include them in your inner circle, people that will strengthen you and encourage you in your walk with God. And God will put those people in your life. The Holy Spirit will lead you to those people, but you need to intentionally pursue those relationships and be present and get physically in their proximity. Here's the second thing, ready? Get real. Get real. Um, I read a thing this week that, do you wanna know what one of the newest phobias is in our world? It's sort of this growing new phobia. It's one of the fastest growing phobias. The fastest growing phobia in our world is talking on the phone. There are a whole group of us that when our phone rings, we immediately let it go, and then we wait for them to text us, or we text them back. They are afraid of talking on the phone. Do you want to know why they're afraid of talking on the phone? Because you cannot control a conversation while you're talking on the phone. When somebody texts you, and you don't have a good answer, or you need to think about it, or whatever, you can wait a little while. You can, everybody have those little dots where somebody's texting you, and then all of a sudden they go away, and you're like, hey, what's up with that? They are editing, and re-editing, and editing again to make sure that they don't say something the wrong way, and that they come off the right way. On the phone, you're like, uh, uh, uh. Right, And people are terrified of this, but that's where, you, that's where you're real, where you just say what comes into your mind, and sometimes you got to apologize, and sometimes you got to backtrack, and sometimes you, gotta, you can't control where the conversation will go. We have got to get real about our lives. We've got to open up about ourselves, about our strengths and our weaknesses and our junk. Everybody say junk. Junk, right? Listen to what it says in James chapter 5. Confess your sins to who? Each other and pray for who? Each other so that you may be what? Healed. It will heal you. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. When we are transparent and vulnerable, when I tell you my junk and you tell me your junk, when we drop our image, right? And we say, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm afraid of right now. This is what my marriage is struggling with at this moment. These are the temptations that I just can't seem to kick. And other people will say, oh man, I do. I, that's me too. That's me too. And they, you'll never say that if somebody doesn't get real first. 
And it only happens when we are present and when we are real. And when those things are happening, and even when someone needs to call you out on something, that is good. Can I tell you how good that is for you? Listen to what Proverbs 27 says. I love this verse. An open rebuke is better than what? In love. What, what are? Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from what? An enemy. There are people in our life who have earned the right to wound us because we need it. Right? Because we need it. Do you know that one person who can say anything to you and if anybody else said it to you, you would punch them in the mouth? You know what I'm talking about? But that person can say it because they've earned the right to say it because you know they love you and because they've been real with you in their life. And when they say, Steve, you are blowing it. You go, yeah, I I mean, you may not want to hear it, but you know you need to hear it, right? They have earned the right to do that. And when you're secure in those friendships and you know these people care about you um, and and you know that even if you're struggling, they're not going to walk away from you, they can call you out on their junk. And you will be glad they did. Listen, this is the point I want you to get. We may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. We may impress people with the things that we're good at, but we connect with people in our weaknesses. You know, if if you're looking at that list of friends on the other side, and you're thinking, I don't have as many friends as I need that can do that. God wants you to have those relationships. You were not created to live this life alone. He, he created you to be dependent on him, but he also created you not to live this life alone. We're supposed to live this with each other. He wants you to be a part of the body of Christ. And the good news is he's going to bring those people into your life, but you have got to be present and you have got to get real with people if you're going to see that happen. It'll not happen while you're binge watching eight seasons of something on Netflix. Get in those relationships, get vulnerable, and watch them grow. And then here's the last thing, ready? Never give up. We never give up on a friendship. Because we never give up on people. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says it this way. Many will say they are what? But who can find one who is what? Truly reliable. I'm going to say something, and I, I heard somebody say this recently, and it just resonated with me. Do you know many of your friends are not really your friends? Many of your friends are not really your friends. You think they're your friends, but many times people are along with you for the ride as long as it's fun and convenient and profitable. They're networking, trying to get to the next level. Right? But they are gone the moment that those things are not happening in your life. Real friends, the real friends in your life are the people who are there when none of that stuff is true. When you are broken and, and losing it and have no value. Those are, what I would, those are your darkest hour friends. They are the people who will be there in your darkest hours. They are your ride or die friends. And maybe, honestly, maybe if you're lucky, you have maybe four or five of those in a lifetime. If you are super lucky, you have eight or nine. But let me tell you something. Those friends that never give up on you, that you never give up on them, that is the picture of how God loves us. 
and how he's called us to love others, they are a gift from God. They are a gift from God. And you, you need to cherish those people. And more importantly, more importantly, you need to be that kind of friend in your relationships. Proverbs 17, 17 is maybe the key verse for this whole message. A friend is always what? Always loyal. And a brother is born to what? Help in a time of need. That is what these friendships are about. And all you need is one person. All you need is a couple of people. People that will say, hey, I believe in you. I know you got this. I will stand with you. I, I know who you are and, and, and what God says about you. I know what God says about you, right? You're a child of God. You are, you are more than a conqueror. You were literally knit together in your mother's womb. God created you in such a way that he, he's going to use you. And you just need somebody who will say that. And suddenly, when you have somebody in your life that is saying those things back to you that come from God, suddenly you have the courage to step out and to do the things that God has called you to do. Right? But that same person you know says, and if none of that works out, if it all goes to heck, I will still be here. I will sit in the dust with you. The book of Job, if you've ever read the book of Job, Job's friends are idiots for most of the book. But at the beginning, they are gold. Because they come and they sit with Job in his complete misery in the dust. And you need a friend who says, I will be with you. I will sit in your dust. And when it starts to rain, I will stay sitting in the, in the rain until it, it, the, it, the mud overcomes us. I am not going anywhere. And these are the people who, I don't know if you have people in your life that they have the ability to say that something's wrong. I know something's wrong and I'm worried about you. Do you have somebody in your life, I know this is sort of true for me, that one person that by the way they say hello, you know something's wrong? You're like, hey, what's up? Hey, okay, what's going on? You know what I'm talking about? Because you are so ingrained in their life and you have so much cred with them that you know something's wrong and you're not going anyway because a real friend keeps it real with you. And, and you don't take it the wrong way from that person because they've earned it, right? And Because and, it's just coming from a place of love for them. And, and when you have to speak the truth to them, and this is maybe that fruit of the Spirit that I want for you, is that you would confront them with gentleness. There are times in every friendship where you need to confront them about something. They need to confront you and you need to confront them. And we have to do that with gentleness. We don't give up on our friends. When our friends are busted and broken and... Listen, being a friend is not about turning your back on someone when they do something that to you and, and you know is completely disgusting and immoral and, and depraved. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. I, I can't even get my head around. It is not about walking away from them. It is about walking towards them and saying, I'm going to make sure that you never do that again, brother. I'm going to make sure you do not do that again. But you have to do that gently. It's the only way it will work. You have to do it gently. The most important thing in that moment when you are confronting a friend is your word choice and your tone of voice. Word choice and tone of voice. Will you do it gently? And sometimes you've got to say, Holy Spirit, oh man, I want to tear this guy a new one. But I need the right words right now. I need the right phrase that's going to get him to open his eyes and see what he's doing. God, would you help me help him walk away from this stupid choice he's about to make? Because you got to do it gently. Spirit, give me the boldness to say the truth, but give me the gentleness to do it in a way that actually changes them. Listen to Galatians chapter 6. 
It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should what? Gently and what else? And humbly help that person back onto the right path. And what else? Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Show me your friends. Show me your future. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the what? The law of Christ. You want to know what the trust of a, new, of a true friend is? You want to know what the test of a true friend is? A true friend will talk sense into you. A false friend will just go along with anything you say. A true friend will say, Steve, man, that is not you. That is not who I know you to be. That is not who you want to be. A false friend will say, that sounds great. Do that. All of this leads me to, so what, Steve? What do I do with this? What do I do with this? Um, I heard somebody say this recently, um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and it sort of hit me differently um, he, he said, here, I want you to try this. Try this with a best friend. Do this with your, your best friend. You can't do it with a spouse or a sibling or, or your parents or anything. It only really works with a best friend, but you've got to do this. Somebody who loves you. It's that 2 o'clock in the morning person. Uh, they, they can call you and you can call them. And I, I want you to ask them this simple question. Why are we friends? Why are we friends? And, and when you ask that to someone who is truly in that category of, of darkest hour friend, ride or die friend, best friend, kind of, they will look at you like you are crazy. And they will basically look at you because the part of your brain that controls both uh, feelings of love and trust is not the part of your brain that controls words or language. And they will just say, I don't know why we're friends, we just are. And it dawned on me because you don't have the words for it the only thing that bonds us together like that is love. It's this love that we see in the scriptures and it's this love that we're commanded to share with each other. In fact, in John chapter 13, it says it this way. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. What are we supposed to do? Just as who? I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The friendships that we share in the body of Christ, is the proof that we are in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit in us, leaking out into our friendships, and people on the outside looking at those friendships, is the proof that we are following after Jesus Christ. That kind of love. And so I want you to see this. This is sort of the so what. Your friendships will be one of your greatest opportunities for both ministry and mission. Your friendships will be one of your greatest opportunities for both Ministry and mission. That's where God will unlock the doors and open the doors for you to be fruitful with other believers and then we on mission to lost people. Colossians chapter three says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close yourselves with what? Tenderhearted mercy. What else? Kindness. What else? Humility. What else? Gentleness. And what else? We're supposed to make allowance for each other's faults and what? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must what? Forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. That list right there in that scripture are the fruit of the Spirit leaking out. Clothe yourselves with 
Humility, uh, humility, kindness, compassion, gentleness, patience. Be forgiving. Love those people. Let the fruit of the Spirit leak out on the people around you, right? That's what you're supposed to do. But the Spirit can also use you in friendships of people who do not know Christ. The Holy Spirit alive in you can leak out one direction onto them and let the Spirit leak out through you in, in mission. 1 Peter 3.15 says it this way. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone, what? Asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to what? Explain it. Always be ready to explain it. I have been trying to think of a way to wrap up this message, and I don't have it. So um, can we just get real for a second? Would that be all right? I have been... I've been so burdened by this topic. If, if you look on the back page of your notes there, where I asked you to list your five closest friends, I am not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many people weren't able to put five down? This epidemic of loneliness that is going on in our world is, is ridiculous. And it is so painful. And this week, I have watched beautiful expressions of friendship. Sometimes I do sermon prep at Panera Bread and I watch people from our church, people that I know come in and they sit down and they sit across the table from each other and talk for hours and hours and hours. Sometimes I come in, see them sitting there, I leave and they're still sitting there and I'm thinking that is the kind of life-giving friendship that we all want. We all want it. And I'm jealous. But can I tell you something? If you are from Lodi, grew up around here. Lodi is a tough nut to crack. I've been back for four years. And I have struggled to find those deep life-giving friendships that I'm talking about this morning. Let's not make this weird because he's here this morning. But I had breakfast this morning with a guy that I really wanted to be friends with. And as I left there, I just thought, God, I, I just want that relationship to grow. I want to be better friends with him. At dinner last night with um, a couple that are good friends with Nicole and I, and, and I just keep longing for those friendships to grow. But I have had conversations this week with seniors who are so lonely, and Gen Z. I have listened to the pain in their voice as they say, I don't need a lot of friends, I just need. A couple. And, and it's so easy. I've heard my daughter say this. Dad, it would be so easy to go out and party with these people who want to go to the bars. And want to, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to be like that. But it just leaves me stuck, alone. And this city, which I, I've grown to love, Lodi, but because people have been here such a long time, so many of those friends are established, and it's really hard to break into those friendships. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit alive in us will leak into those relationships and those friendships that we have intentionally that we are pursuing will create the kind of community that a lost and broken and hurting and lonely world will see Jesus in. Would you pray with me?
God, I know somebody sitting here today is lonely. They're hurting and they just want someone that they can trust, someone that they can be present with, someone they can get real with, and someone they can grow with. Holy Spirit, would you lead us to those people? Would you give us the courage to initiate those friendships? God, would you do what only you can do, which is would you allow your spirit alive in us to leak out onto them and and to enrich their lives and they enrich ours. God, may we be people who our friendships reflect so clearly the love we have for you and the love you have for us. In your son Jesus' name, amen.